According to the Cambridge Dictionary, the definition of that phrase, mind over matter, literally means the power of the mind to control and influence the body and even the world around you. The power of the mind to influence the body and our actions. We were talking about that today in our ministry development class this morning. That it is what you become you first thought about. What you start to think about, you will become, you will do. Mind over matter. Have you ever had a bad thought? I'm the only person that's had a bad thought. We all have had a bad thought. But does that make you a bad person? Oh, you say no. But immediately when you have that bad thought, what's the second thing that goes through your mind? Oh, I'm horrible. I'm a horror. Why did I think that? Actually, I was sitting with a family. No, I don't want to go there. Never mind. I don't want to go there because I don't want to put thoughts in your mind right now. Especially when I'm the one standing up here. But just because you had a bad thought does not make you a bad person. It's only when we act upon that thought or linger over that thought. And actually that's called fantasizing. Which is that scripture that talks about if a man lusts for a woman in his own mind, then he's already committed adultery. That's not a popped into your mind, where did that thought come from type of thought. All right? Because we all have those ones. This is a lingering over. Oh, and I remember that thought yesterday. Let's think about that again today. That's a lingering, fantasizing thought. When you go there, you've already committed the act because <laughs> you done played it out in your mind. But a pop in your thought, where did that come from? That doesn't make you a bad person. Everybody has those thoughts. I'm not going there, Lord. I'm not going to go there. Today, I want us to understand the power that the mind has over our will and ultimately over our actions. And what we can do, the responsibility we have in filtering those thoughts. You are not a victim of your thoughts. You control your thoughts. And your thoughts will control your actions. Will govern your actions. So look with me over to Ephesians chapter 4. Denny, put it on our list. I have got to get rid of this hand-holding thing. It's like handicapped me. I'm like preaching with one arm behind my back. I talk with my hand. I don't think there's any Italian in me, but I feel like my blood is just boiling over. I have to talk with my hand. I got a couple of friends who are completely Italian, and they're like, Brenda, are you Italian? Because you talk with your hands. You're very verbal, very, you know demonstrative in all your actions, and like, I feel like it. So this thing keeps me hindered. I need to release that. Anyway, okay. So here we are, Ephesians chapter 4. Too much coffee today. What commercial? No, you was watching a cartoon this morning, weren't you, Jacob? 
And the lady caught my attention because as I was getting ready to pick up my stuff, whoever the cartoon was, she says, I'm about ready to release a caffeine-infused sermon. I said, Jacob, did she just say that? He goes, yes, yeah, she did. I said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Yes. One pot of coffee and one iced coffee later, we're going to have ourselves a message. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 20. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Here's your responsibility. And speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. There, we talked about that this morning too in class, didn't we? Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Sure, he will have a foothold in your life. You give him the foothold in your life by what you think, by what you do. Anyway, going on. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And malice right there actually means a meanness. I just want to be mean or revenge. Malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God, in Christ, God forgave you. Just as, forgive one another, just as, in Christ, God forgave you. So how are we made new? What did we read? New, made new in the attitudes of our mind. That's where it starts. Through the mind. And what we allow in our mind controls what comes out of us. Romans 8, 5, and 6 say those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. What you think affects what you see, what you feel, and what you do. What you think affects what you see, what you feel, and what you do. 
Many studies have revealed that there are three major mindsets that are destructive to individuals. It's the scarcity mindset, which means I don't have enough, never have enough. The entitlement mindset, which is uh, you owe me, I deserve this. And the victim mindset, which is what was me, everybody's, and everything is against me. If you're living with one of these destructive mindsets, you see everything, hear everything through the lens of that mindset. It's filtered through this mindset. Let's just do a little test here. You already heard that? Pop quiz? Hated them in school. I was just in the hospital with a friend getting ready to go into surgery. Heard that she gets violently sick when waking up after surgery, which I thought, oh, I do too. So I suggested to the nurses in the room if they would just give her one of those anti-nausea little sticker things, go behind your ear. Um, in my last two surgeries, I didn't get sick. I didn't tell them that. I just suggested, hey, can you put that little anti-nausea sticker behind her ear? And immediately a nurse looked up, looked at me and said, are you a nurse? What did you just hear? Did you hear, are you a nurse? Did you hear, oh, are you a nurse? See how everything's filtered through that mindset. The victim mindset heard, what, are you a nurse? Right? The entitlement mindset heard, um, you don't have the right to tell me what to do. I'm the nurse. Everything's filtered through that mindset. Think about some of your own experiences. Have you ever been with some people and miscommunication erupts from one single conversation? Someone heard this, yet someone else heard that. How does this happen if the information that was given is exactly the same, spoken at exactly the same time by the same person, yeah, everyone heard something different. Your mindset filters what you hear. It's the filter through which all things are processed. Okay, one more test. Let's take the tone right out of it. Two people are texting. Don't you love that? One person texts to the other person, going to the drive-in tonight, want to go with me. The other person replies, no, can't go with you. So they respond, why not? And silence. Did you drop off the face of the earth? That's what I always want to text back when I get no response, right? My whole staff knows, give me a thumbs up or something. Let me know you're still alive. As a matter of fact, I think I just texted that to somebody, are you still alive? But a long nothing, no response. What did you hear in that text conversation? What's going through your mind? 
Did you hear no, can't go with you? Or did you hear no, can't go with you? The scarcity mindset heard, I don't have the money to go, right? Same thing, same words, no tone. But the scarcity mindset heard, no, can't go, don't have the money. The entitlement mindset heard, you shouldn't go because I can't go. And the victim mindset heard, I would go to the movie, but not with you. They all said the same thing. But how your mind is set, your mindset is how you filter what you hear, what you see, and what you do. Your mindset is your filter through which all things are processed. Today is your day to renew mind over matter, that mindset. John Maxwell said, it's the sure enough syndrome. If you think you will fail, then sure enough, you will. You will become on the outside what you believe on the inside. Personal breakthroughs begin with a change of your beliefs, what you think. Why? Because your beliefs determine your expectations, and your expectations determine your actions. He goes on to say, in 20 of the most primary languages of the world, belief is the same word for do. It's only when people become more sophisticated that they begin to separate the meaning of those two words. So in 20 of the most major languages in the world, if somebody says, I believe it, it's the same thing as I do it. It's only when we become sophisticated and more educated that we say, oh, well, we can believe something, but that doesn't mean we have to do it. You see what's happening to our... Church? Oh, I believe it. Doesn't mean I have to really do it, does it? Could you imagine what would happen to Christians, to our families, to our communities, if we started doing everything we say we believe? And how can we do this? By renewing our mind. By retraining what we think. Max Licato shares a story of how he helped a little boy overcome these terrible thoughts that paralyzed him every night with fear when he would go to bed. Licato's advice, visualize yourself grabbing that bad thought and throwing it in the trash. And then replace that thought with a scripture. Simple, right? Don't the Bible even tell us to do that? Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. After only two weeks, the boy reported back that he was not tormented any longer by these thoughts. He was able to go to bed on his own, sleep peacefully, and he continues to memorize Scripture every day. Why? Because he started doing what we're told to do. Not just believe it, 
Is God big? Is God bigger than all your problems? Then start believing it, not just believing it, but doing it. Face your problems knowing God is bigger. Amy's word for this morning, for somebody here today, probably for the majority of us, that whatever you think is bad, horrible, this situation I'm going through, how can good ever come from this? God already said, I already have good plan for you out of that. Not in spite of that, not the removal of that, but through that. Three steps to renewing your mind. Number one, remember three points in a prayer is all it takes. Three steps to renewing your mind. Number one, repent of your destructive mindset. Don't excuse it. Don't coddle it. Repent. The word repent actually means to throw it down, look at it, say that's wrong, and walk away from it. Lay it right at the feet of Jesus and turn immediately away from it. 180, away from it. Go the opposite way. What you used to think, we read that in Ephesians 4. That was your old life, old lifestyle. Put it down, lay it down, crucify it. Repent of your destructive mindset. Ask God to forgive you for this wrong thinking. Let me assure you again, I'll say it again, you are not a helpless victim of your thoughts. You are in control of what you think and what you do, and you need to take responsibility for it. Back in the olden days, the majority was men that would have those pornographic type thoughts and be troubled with it and over the years, I get more counseling from women who have that problem than I do from men nowadays. So it's not just this class of people have these bad thoughts or this class. Or I must be horrible. Remember we talked about that at the beginning because I have this thought. You are not a helpless victim of those thoughts. You need to repent from them when they pop in your mind, grab a hold of it, throw it in the trash where it belongs, replace it with a scripture, and take control and responsibility for what you think. So number one, repent of your destructive mindset. Jesus said, forgive others as I have forgiven you. He also said, if you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. So let's just look real quick at those two sides of the coin because, number one, it's other people. We need to be quick to forgive because we're going to, we talked about that this morning, we're going to have fights in the family, right? People are going to hurt us, whether it's a spouse, family, friend. We're going to get hurt. The world, it just happens. Quick to forgive as God has forgiven you, as God has forgiven you, Quick to forgive. Quick to forgive. Also, when you have that thought and you feel right away, oh, I'm a bad person, be quick to forgive yourself. Ask for forgiveness. Receive that forgiveness and be done with it. Don't walk around the next two weeks, three weeks, you know, I'm a worm, I'm a worm, I'm horrible, I'm horrible. I had that thought, I'm horrible. Quick to forgive. Quick to forgive. Quick to forgive. Repent of the destructive mindset. Be quick to forgive. 
Listen, Jesus said, forgive others as I have forgiven you. He did not say, don't worry, I understand how horrible that person was to you, so you don't need to forgive that one. Just forgive everybody else, but not that one. No. What did he say? While he hung on the cross, an innocent man, forgive them. Father, forgive them. He wasn't being hung on the cross. He didn't... He didn't go through that torment and that beating because of something he did wrong. But he was quick to forgive, and he requires that we are that quick to forgive others and ourselves. But you need to take responsibility for your thoughts. Repent of your destructive mindset. Number two, get God's mindset. So grab a hold of that thought, throw it down, but get God's mindset. We have been given the mind of Christ. Here's the other scripture. Let's look at it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read this to you out of the New Living Translation. It says, starting in verse 6. Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, But... It was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolishness to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate evaluate all things. But they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For, listen here, who can know the Lord's thoughts and who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Benny Hinn did a study on the armor of God. And when he came to the helmet of salvation, he said that that's the one that he struggled with most. Because he knew it wasn't a reminder of us, you know, our former salvation, our, you know, when we first come to God, that we have to continue to come to God every day. 
Okay, I don't want to get off into left field here. But that that helmet of salvation, when he did the study on it, the armies of the Old Testament had a stamp on their helmet that told them whose army they were, who they belonged to. When you give your heart to the Lord, you have been stamped with a seal that says you are mine. God says you belong to me. And when, you, when he did this study on the helmet of salvation, he said it's an everyday reminder of who we belong to. That we have the mind of Christ. That we, don't, we aren't set out into this world and try to figure it all out ourselves. He said, here it is. You belong to me. Here's the mind of Christ. And all the things that you want to know, all the secrets about God, are right here. And they're revealed to you by his spirit. You belong to God. You have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit will reveal all these deep mysteries of God to you. But you need to put that helmet on daily. You need to get God's mindset. And number three, change your filter. Change your filter. I know Brian, my husband, was having problems with his car. He's still having problems with that car. Anyway, he's like, I can't figure it out. I can't. It just chugs and, oh, it's horrible and chugs and chugs. And instantly, I got a word of wisdom and knowledge. And let me just tell you, when the Holy Spirit speaks something to you, you have to be trained. (laughs) You have to be trained to realize that was the Holy Spirit saying that and not just the pizza last night. But immediately, because it's a subtle, it's a small voice. And that's a whole nother study about, you know, he's not in the screaming loud voice. He's not in the thunder. and the, He's in the still small voice. And the still small voice spoke to me and said, change the air filter. I thought, I am not telling my husband what to do on his car. I mean, when I was a kid, I loved working on the cars with my dad. My dad worked at GM and then would come home and work on cars all night long. That's just what he did on the side. And I love doing that, but I don't know. I couldn't. I don't know. And so I kept saying, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. And finally, I just kept hearing the same thing. So finally, I looked at him and I said, have you checked the air filter? No, no, it's not the air. No, it can't be the air filter. No. It's everything else. It's this and this. I'm like, okay, I don't know. I don't know. Was it that next day? He's like, you know, I changed the air filter. It was pretty bad. A lot better now change that air filter. Because that's what everything goes through that. It, it takes in the world around it, comes through before it goes into the engine, right? Am I Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It needs to be changed once in a while. You know? It's like I got this bug light out back. I don't like bugs. I believe they're, a re- they're here set as a reminder that hell exists. And every time I squash one, and I'm so sorry, Krista, where'd you go? Okay, Krista doesn't like me because I want to kill every bug I see. But all these bugs are like drawn to this big bug. We got a big bug like out back, like calls in all the bugs from all the acres. Anyway, but he's got to take it out to the woods and he's got to dump it out because it gets so filled with dead bugs 
that it, it can't filter anymore. It's just like our mind. We've got to change our filter. Otherwise, you're stuck. It's like, I don't know what to do. I don't, it's like living zombies walking around. I don't know. I don't know. Change your filter. What your mind will think upon is based on what you allow to come in through your ears and eyes. This is your filter point. 1 Peter 1, 13-16 says, Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. What's that saying? Limit what you watch. Limit what you listen to. Filter it so that when it goes into your mind, it's good things to think on. It's good things to look at. Actually, the scripture, by the same measure you use, we've all heard that. We use it a lot for offerings and giving. The context is in what you hear. Same measure you hear. It will be measured back. What you hear, what you listen to, what you see, it will affect your thoughts and affect your actions. Watch what you watch. Would you sit here in this service if somebody came up here and stripped down to their underwear? Would you go like, can I get some popcorn and some pop? And watch them strip down to their underwear. Would you sit there eating your popcorn and drinking your pop if two people slipped into bed together? But you'll sit in your homes and watch it on TV. I remember I had a couple over who was actually uh, some of my youth leaders at the time where I was a uh, youth pastor, and sitting in the living room, and I usually never have the TV going if you're not paying attention because I want to be, I'm like guarding what comes across that TV. I don't like it to randomly go off, do I, Carrie? My sister, yeah, no. I don't because somebody needs to be watching that to see what you're letting into your house. And anyway, they came over. They dropped by just for a visit. And so they're sitting in the living room with us. We were watching a show. Um, but then all of a sudden, we were visiting and not paying attention to what was on. And all of a sudden, two of my boys jumped up, turned, their, turned around and covered their eyes and said something. And my two friends looked at them, looked at the TV, and it was a Victoria's Secret commercial. And I'm like, oh, remote. You know, I'm grabbing the remote and shutting it off. And she's like, oh, my. Why are you getting all upset? It's just a Victoria commercial. It's just a commercial. I said, really? Would you be offended then in front of your husband if I stripped down to my underwear right here in this living room? She's like, well, you wouldn't do that. What's the difference? What is the difference? Watch what your eyes watch. Watch. This is the filter I'm talking about. Watch, sorry, listen to what you're listening to. Do you know that those songs have lyrics? And those lyrics prophesy over your life. You're allowing them to speak into your life. Listen to what you're listening to or you're allowing your kids to listen to. Listen to it. You know, they always pick on me, Crystal especially, uh, I don't really care for country music. I know. Sorry. Go ahead. Throw tomatoes. I'll hide back here. 
Well, I know there's good gospel Christian country music. But when I was growing up, it wasn't country gospel that blared in our house. It was, I got me a truck, and I got my girlfriend, and I got my other girlfriend, and I got my wife and my other girlfriend, and we're all going for a ride, and I got my dog, and I got my truck, and I got my gun, and we're going to go drinking, you know? It was like I just got, oh, my gosh. You know, the whole world is horrible, and yeehaw, let's be horrible together, you know? But those lyrics are prophesying into your life or your children's life. If you wonder where that thought come from, came from, if you wonder where that attitude came from, if you wonder why you're starting to do this or do that, Watch what you watch. Listen to what you're listening to. That's the filter. The filter that sets your mind into actions. Know what the Bible says. This is supposed to be your filter for everything. For everything. And as a matter of fact, like Lakato told that one boy, here, I'll give you something very basic. When you're watching something, when you're listening to something, when something happens, family matter, whatever, situation. Feel like you're holding your Bible right up to your mind. What would the Word say about that? What would God say about that? You know, this person did this to me. Now I want to do that. What does the Bible say? This should be your filter. Change your filter. Don't process your life experiences and things that happen to you through what Maybe you were raised to do, because maybe you were raised to do it wrong. Or what your friends at work are telling you to do. Filter it through the Word. I was listening to a message this morning, and I was shocked. I had to keep hitting, I play, what did they just say? Statistics say that only 9% of Christians read the Bible. 9% of Christians read the Bible. And out of that 9%, only 3% of them say they've ever read it all the way through. And yet we wonder why we have a problem with the Christian's actions, where it separates belief from do, right there. Because you don't know what to do. You need to get God's mindset. You need to change your filter you need to treat the Bible not as a devotion that I just check off. I read my couple chapters. Check. Search for truth to apply to your life. If it's in one scripture, if it's in one verse, amen. You found it easy. You found it quick. Now start living it. Apply it. This does no good unless it's applied to your life. How is it any different than any other novel on your show in your home if it's not applied to your life? The blood of Jesus that was crucified on a cross for you, for me, does no good unless it's applied to your life. You have to get a hold of this. Change your filter. So the three steps to renewing your mind. Repent of your destructive mindset. Be quick to forgive. 
be quick to ask for forgiveness. Number two, get God's mindset. We have been given the mind of Christ. You have to pick it up and put it on every day. Pick it up. Pick up that helmet of salvation. Put it on every day. And three, change your filter. Change your filter. Pick up the word. Read it till you find a truth and apply it to your life. In closing, which is code word for Amy. (laughs) While I was in prayer this last week, one of the days, I was sharing this with Pastor Neil and Deborah. One of the days, I just grabbed my journal. I have a, it's a lawn chair I brought up from the garage, put it in our bedroom because in our bedroom we've got this window well. that I love looking out the window when I'm praying and stuff, but I, I set this, I pull out my camping chair, set it right in front of the window, and I love reading my Bible right there because I'm closed off, I'm in my room, it's private. It's, if I try to do it downstairs, I'm distracted by everything. If I try to do it out back, I start staring at the birds. Anyway, but one day I sat there, sat down in my camping chair and just put my journal on my lap with a pen and I said, God, just speak to me. Tell me what you want me to say for this message. And I made pages. I was just blown away. I'm like, that's awesome. That's awesome. Not me. He's given us his mind. Holy Spirit will reveal the deep things of God. And so, I mean, I thought, I'm done, man. That is awesome. And I set it on my dresser, and I just sat there staring out the window, just thinking, how good you are, God, and everything. All we have to do is just turn to you. You've got all the answers. God has all the answers. We just have to turn to him. And so when I was sitting there just reflecting on that, I heard, here is you ask me right here. So I heard the question, Do you want to know what causes people to take offense? Well, yeah. Because since the last year, over a year now, I've been here. Here, friends, family that are away from here, other churches, over and over again, I keep hearing Christians battling with this, taking an offense, divisions in the church. People leaving the faith over an offense. And it's always been, especially this last year, a major part of my prayers. God, help us, help us, help us. And so when I heard the Holy Spirit ask me, do you want to know what causes people to take offense? I was like, yes. So I believe that this is a prophetic message for someone today. A prophetic word for you. He said, an offense is an attack against your thoughts. See, you thought it was supposed to happen this way or that way. And it didn't happen. So you immediately take an offense. Things didn't work out the way you thought it was supposed to. And the minute you take an offense, because things didn't turn out the way you thought they were supposed to, The Holy Spirit told me that offense will keep you a prisoner of your own mind. You will be held captive 
and tormented by that offense. And then the word migraine came to me. And I circled it. Somebody here is battling with migraines and it's attached to this offense. And it's because things continue to happen or have happened that didn't turn out the way you thought they were supposed to. And nobody else, no amount of messages, no amount of reading scriptures can break this. Only you can by coming to God and laying it down. And so as we close in the altar, could you just stand up right where you're at? So how do we not take offense? Check your filter. Check your filter. When somebody does something that doesn't go according to what you think, how you thought it was supposed to happen, check your filter before you pick up the offense. Check your filter. Okay, so this didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. They said something I I didn't think that they would say, and, and maybe I'm taking it the wrong way because I've got the wrong mindset. What would God say about that? How should I handle it? What should I think? If I have the mind of Christ, what does God say I'm supposed to think right here? Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, don't stop there. The word then is inserted. Then you will know God's will for your life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. When? When you renew your mind. Then you'll know what God's will is for your life. Too many Christians are walking around aimlessly like living zombies, not knowing what they're supposed to do because you need to renew your mind. Then you'll know what to do. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you today, number one, if that prophetic word was for for you today, if you've been struggling with offenses or migraines, Come up to the front. We've got a prayer team. We want to pray for you. Don't leave today the same. If you're here today and you've been struggling with thoughts, seem to just run through your head and you feel like you're out of control. They're out of control and you have no control of these thoughts and Maybe you're like this boy that I talked about earlier that struggles with those thoughts that are just tormenting him, fear or just wrong thinking. Come up front. We want to pray for you. This is your day. This is your day. Oswald Chambers says, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. He says, your choice must be a deliberate determination. It is not something into which you will automatically drift. And everything else in your life will be held in temporary suspension until you make a decision.
This must be a commitment between you and God. Do not confer with flesh and blood about it. It's a commitment between you and God. Father, right now, God, we just open up our thoughts. <laughs> Even though your word says that you know our every thought. You know our every motive of our heart. But God, as a willing act, we lay it before you wide open. Have your way, God. Point out right now by your Holy Spirit any wrong thinking, any wrong mindset, any destructive mindset, Lord, that we may have been filtering our actions through. And God, right now we ask for your power, your blood, your mercy, your forgiveness, God, to just wash us clean of those wrong mindsets, those wrong thinking. Renew our mind by the water of your word, washing us. It's a pure and spotless bride before you. And God, we take up the helmet of salvation. Daily we commit to do this. Daily we commit to search your word, to find a truth, and apply that truth to our life. Because your word is active and alive. And it's life to us. All we have to do is apply it. Give us a hunger, a renewed hunger for your word. Make that commitment. Make that commitment in your own words right now. In your own words. And if you're here today and you haven't made a commitment to maybe renew a relationship you have or had with Jesus. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God. Maybe you've just slipped in here today thinking you'll just see what happens inside. Welcome. Welcome. And know that God has a perfect plan for your life. And He can restore you to the original design that He has for your life. His gifts and His callings, the Word says, are without repentance. You didn't go too far. You haven't messed up too much. You can't be too marred, too scarred, too tarnished for Him to forgive you. You can be restored today. All you have to do is come up front in one of these or myself will lead you in a nice prayer that simply goes something about God forgive me for doing life on my own and God I ask right now that you would just forgive me for trying to do life without you whether on purpose or, or maybe completely innocent I didn't even know I was doing life without you I just heard about you God, forgive me. And I commit today, this day, today, to surrender my life, control of my life. You have it all. You already wrote every day of my life out for me, even before I was born. And right now I surrender to that plan. I surrender to follow you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength today, committed today to love you serve you and fulfill the purpose for which I was created to with your help 
Let's just continue. The altars are open. If you want prayer, maybe you just want to get alone. You can come up front. You can just press into God. Amy's going to lead us in some more worship. Don't run out.